Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brain waves into the Positive Head Podcast, where you can always count on hearing fascinating discussions and interviews with the best and brightest consciousness change makers that are out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. And if you enjoy the Positive Head Podcast, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on iTunes. And if you would, please give us a good rating and review as well. Even if you don't want to take the time to write out a review, at least take five seconds to give the show a star rating. I've been asking for more reviews and ratings for some time now, and based on the number of listeners the show has, I can see very few people have actually taken the time to rate or review the show. So I'll ask again, really nicely. Please rate us on iTunes. You don't want me to have to ask again because, well, you may not be sorry, but I could quite possibly be weeping gently like an infant girl. And really, nobody needs that kind of problem. (sighs) Also, this week's episode is sponsored by Procabulary.org. Procabulary offers a brilliant new online language course that I just recently completed myself called Core Language Upgrade. The course material itself is designed to help you analyze and then reprogram the way you use your words and language to create your reality. I personally believe the words you choose to speak or write out is referred to as spelling for a very good reason. You're literally casting an energetic spell every time you open your mouth, which means it's of the utmost importance that you have a foundational understanding about the power or lack of power that the words you're choosing to use conjures up. I strongly believe language mastery is a highly important skill set that way too few people have taken it upon themselves to become educated on. And You know, for those of you that are regular listeners of this podcast, you know, I'm constantly talking about how we all create our reality with our thoughts and words. And what Procabulary does is actually provide you with an incredibly easy to follow roadmap that shows you how to go about reprogramming your language so you can start getting better results in every aspect of your life. And the great thing about the Core Language Upgrade course is that it only takes about 10 minutes a day spanned over 21 days to complete. I personally found the minimum daily time requirement uh, made it really easy to digest and assimilate the empowering information I was receiving each day. Now, as a Positive Head podcast listener, if you decide to go to Procabulary.org and purchase any of their online courses, you automatically get $50 if you use the promo code POSITIVEHEAD, all one word, on the checkout page. I personally recommend everyone starts with a beginner course. It's called Core Language Upgrade, and the retail price for that course is $299. I'd say it's worth every penny, but with uh, the Positive Head promo code, it only costs you $249 after your discount. Also, if you need more convincing about the power of Procabulary, check out the Positive Head podcast where I actually interview Procabulary co-founder Mark England, and we discuss language mastery in great detail. All right, all you positive heads on this episode, I'm extremely excited to have Kimberly and Foster Gamble here with me on the show. This dynamic duo are not only husband and wife, but they are also the brains and talent behind the enlightening and at times somewhat frightening documentary film Thrive, which in just a few short years uh, since its release online has been viewed by more than 30 million people around the world. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Foster. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi there, Brandon. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. Good to be here. Oh, yeah. Such a pleasure. I've been uh, looking forward to this for many months now. I've been a fan of uh, the the documentary that you guys put out uh, a few years ago now. Um, 
I've, I've told many people about it and I think it's very thorough the way you kind of lay everything out and, and step people through your progression into, you know, the whole, uh, all the information that you uncovered. I, th- I, I really, I think it was succinct and, and really helps to, to lay it out in a way that people can grasp and, you know, cause it's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Thank you. It, it was our intention to kind of just connect dots that, that can often seem like isolated incidents and, and paint a comprehensive enough picture of what's in the way of people thriving so that our solutions can, can be commensurate with the task and can really be leveraged and informed. So we're really very solution-oriented, as the movie demonstrates. The whole last third of the, of the film is about solutions, and that our you know, belief is that you just need to understand the problem in order to be effective in solving it. Yeah, there were certainly many people who thought we should just focus on one thing uh, Mm -hmm. and others who uh, wished that we had left this out or that out or something. But as Kimberly said, we were clear that our mission was to connect the dots, to actually show the whole pattern of what's going on behind the scenes in a way that we hadn't seen done before. And you're right, it was a tremendous amount of information and a lot of it challenging uh, for a two-hour movie. Uh, and yet, you know, we really respect people's natural uh, intelligence and, and courage. And, uh, and obviously, what we did resonated and continues to resonate with people all over the planet because people really do want to know what's going on and what can we do about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's a, it's so brave and, um, admirable the road that you've went down and maybe before we get into the details of what is covered in the documentary, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history that led up to it. Uh, you know, Foster being from a very prominent family, all of you out there listening, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, Procter and Gamble. You're from the Gamble family, uh, as in the company that makes all the household items that we've used over the years, what it like Tide, Charmin, Pringles, those are all Procter and Gamble uh, products, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That and, was, and, was. And of course, in, you went. In, to, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, of course, you grew up in this very prominent family, and here you've really taken a, a, a different kind of course than probably was expected when you were a little guy. So uh, I'm very curious what led to that and, and how you ended up doing, you know, doing what you've done. Well, the growing up in that family um, was a real gift in terms of the privilege that it gave me of inheriting uh, some money from my grandparents that allowed me when I came of age to realize that it wasn't going to do any good for me to go through life complaining about my job, because if I actually managed that, that money, well, I could choose what I wanted to do. And there's not a lot of people to talk to uh, about that, but it really encouraged me to ask myself, okay, what am I here for? What does the world really need? And what can I accomplish? And I assumed when I was in college that uh, most of the problems that I was seeing with you know, various uh, wars and environmental pollution and so forth would be solved quite quickly. I had no idea they were going to continue to get worse. Um, so when I left college, I had been a, a filmmaker in college and people assumed that I would go to Hollywood and make films. But I realized that I had no idea what anything that I had to say to the world that would be worth all the money and time and technical know-how and so forth that it takes to make a a film. So I told my friends, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and find out what's in the way of our thriving. 
And when I find that out and when I find solutions that are commensurate to the scope of the problem, then I'll make a movie. And I thought it might even be five years, you know, maybe even 10 years. Well, 40 (laughs) years later, uh, I I finally, uh, you know, sat down with Kimberly and we we talked it through and decided that we were ready to to actually go for it. So that that's really what led to us um, finding this particular uh, mode of getting our uh, research and our expression out to the world. I wonder if you would have went this path had you known it was going to take you 40 years. <laughs> that is uh, quite a life journey. No, I think sometimes it, it, nature works that way, that it unfolds the next you know, level of the mountain climb after you reach a particular plateau. You go, oh, OK, uh, yeah. not there yet. In fact, that's what happened when when the film came out. Kimberly and I thought we would just kind of, uh, you know, take it easy for a while then. But we realized that the the movie very quickly spawned a, a spontaneously self-creating movement all over the world. There's, there's now over a thousand groups in close to a hundred countries that are taking on hundred, hundreds of issues inspired by Thrive. Uh, and that, wow. that to us Congratulations. is a dream But it's also, um, uh, was a, a whole new uh, face of the mountain that we hadn't necessarily anticipated, but a very exciting yeah. one. Yeah, congratulations on that. What an accomplishment. Thank you. I'd like to add one thing, which is, um, if anybody hasn't seen the movie, it's available for free at thrivemovement.com, and it's in 27 different languages. And I think the other part of the, you know, the leading up to making it was that we, we really have a lot of love and appreciation and respect for people and could see so many people you know, motivated to work to make the world better, but really misguided in our assessment, you know, spending so many years in research, um, that we felt that they were just misguided in that energy by not seeing uh, the whole comprehensive picture of how, how what seemed like, you know, these, this ineptness that was causing all these problems was in fact you know, a, a calculated agenda that had a few people benefiting at a great demise uh, to the rest of us and to the planet. So it was really a way to address people in their highest, which high, in the highest regard, which we had, and help, you know, move their and our efforts into those that could be the most impactful. Yeah, I think that's an interest, a very important element to the documentary. And we'll get into kind of some of the information there. Of course, people will want to see the movie to get the full effect. It's over two hours long and, and just so well put together. But we'll dive into some of the uh, topics that you discuss. But I think you bring up a really good point in in it's a very important part of the documentary is that you're not just showing the issues that are out there and some, some of which are are quite shocking. Um, but you're also showing, Hey, here's solutions. And, and you, you, you added that very key element of, you know, let's not just talk about problems. Let's focus on solutions because really, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's a big, uh, proponent of the idea that what we, you know, where attention goes, energy flows and, and what we give energy to we create more of and so it's it's always that kind of tricky balance it's almost like a tight walking the tightrope of okay we can't ignore these things that are going on but we need to be careful not to give too much fear-based energy and and so forth and you guys talk about that so uh, a lot in in the film and i i really uh, resonate very strongly with that yeah i think it's 
Go ahead, Kimberly. Yeah, I just think it's really important to, if within the context of solutions, you know, if, you're, if your goal is to, to be the most effective, awake, conscious person that you can be, then being aware of what's going on is an important part of that. And so our exposing the problem was always within the context of solutions. And I think the other part is that the relationship between consciousness and activism and our own personal lives and relation to ourselves and our spirits um, and how that impacts our capacity to engage effectively in the world. And so it's not, we don't separate those things. You know, we really, all of our solutions are based on uh, a personal relationship with yourself because it doesn't matter, you know, whatever issue you look at anywhere in the world, there's improvement needed. So yeah. it would be easy to be overwhelmed by the problems. And I think, you know, one of the things about our solutions model that we can speak more to, but just the, the gist of it is that it, it begins with understanding your own, knowing your own purpose and passion. Because I yeah. think when you tune into that, there's a, a guidance there about what part of the problem are you here to help solve? We're yeah. not, nobody can do it all. But when you tap into what you're here to do and engage your passion in it, then I think one, we're more effective. Two, it's much more fun. It's sustainable. It, you know, it just works all the way around. So I think one of the I know one of the things that we've worked hard to do um, through our solutions hub at thrivemovement.com and in all of the work that we've done in and since the movie, it's to help people remember that our relations with ourselves are, is, is the primary place to begin. Yeah, I'd like to add something onto that as well, because I think this is such an important point. I think most likely, particularly for your audience, Brandon, because I know you do a uh, a lot with consciousness and metaphysical um, realms. And mm-hmm. uh, we have received letters from spiritual teachers and interdimensional beings and so forth from, from all over the planet thanking us for including this critical information about the threats that we face because they're having difficulties with their students and followers, uh, getting them to pay attention to what's in the shadow as well as what's in the light. And, and they thanked us for, for it because they, they say it's an absolutely critical part of the spiritual path. And you, you, know, you, you quoted uh, the one, where attention goes, energy flows. And I think that that's a really important uh, insight, but that it also needs to be unpacked for a lot of people in the new age, in the transformational, in the consciousness movements, because like, that's a single level insight. Uh, mm-hmm. To be careful where you where you put your energy, but if that's interpreted as uh, well, um, everything's okay. There's no difference between uh, good and bad. Everything's an illusion. Evil is necessary. It balances the dark with the light, and all that kind of stuff. I think that can be a really severe trap that has actually been intentionally set for yeah. you know the million millions of people. If you unpack it to to the next level of subtlety, it's, it's really important because if you put your attention into where we're being threatened, whether it's 
the global domination agenda, the banking schemes, or you know, a, a, a child molester in your neighborhood. If you put your attention to the fact that that's going on, but you put it there in a positive way, then mm-hmm. it shines the light. You know, where the energy flows toward what you can do about that problem, and then you become a, an effective agent for change. And one of our friends, uh, Neil Rogan, who was one of the co-writers in, in Thrive and member of the Transformational Leadership Council and so forth, is a very has a very succinct kind of dry way of putting deep insights. And he said at one point, uh, it's not enough to just become more conscious. It matters what you're becoming conscious of. Mm-hmm. So these challenging uh, areas of information, I believe, are a critical part. Now, it may not be that everybody is ready to face them at a particular time or with a particular amount of their time. But for those who are, are ready, I, actually our lives and well-being, I think, hang in the balance of including that in our conscious development. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, uh, Foster. I think, you know, not, uh, you know, just having your head in the clouds and everything's all good, no problems. And instead, knowing that the dark is part of the light, it's it's something that actually needs to be assimilated and transmuted in a sense. And I love at the end of the film, there's actually a uh, an analogy, uh, someone you have on, I forget who it is, where they, they compare the, you know, the caterpillar and the butterfly and how it's all about uh, this destructive thing. And in some sense, the caterpillar turns into this beautiful, bu- beautiful butterfly. And when you can look at it through the lens of these uh, forces that are doing a lot of these kind of uh, dark things on our planet are actually playing a role to give uh, us the opportunity to create the new earth we all want to see and the healed planet that we want to see. Right. And, and the role that we're called to, I don't think, is it's to accept that reality is real, but not to just sit back on the couch and go, OK, well, therefore, there's nothing to do about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd love to dive in a little bit and, you know, kind of go through some of the sections of the movie. Uh, if you guys are up for that, I think, uh, you, you know, you t- touch on such interesting topics, one of which uh, I think you begin at the very beginning talking about uh, the vector equilibrium and the Taurus and some of this, you know, um, these symbols that have been found in ancient cultures. Can you uh, explain a little of that to the audience? Sure. It's my favorite topic. <laughs> because, yes, I noticed. <laughs> and I'll, I'll kind of back into it by saying that now that we've been out there and involved with a network of thousands and thousands of people around the planet who are doing incredibly uh, insightful and effective uh, solutions to virtually every problem that, that, that we've seen, we have seen that the, the main common denominator to the solution is that they're always, it's always a matter of uh, recognizing and then honoring and then restoring the wholeness of natural systems, whether that's you know, getting the GMOs and the pesticides uh, out of our foods, uh, stopping the monoculture and going back to, to organic polyculture in the ecosystems through, through which we, uh, we grow our foods or the, you know, the honest money and, and uh, voluntary exchange of a of a true economy, and I could go on and on in, in each sector. And the, the major symbol uh, of wholeness, and where, where wholeness is the key to solving all these problems, the major symbol of that, and it's much more than a symbol, it's actually the dynamic that's going on, is this Taurus. And for those of your listeners who may not be familiar with the, 
the word yet or might not have seen uh, thrive. The torus is a mathematical word that describes a donut-shaped object. In other words, it's got a, a continuous surface and a hole in the middle. And uh, in, in real terms in the cosmos, these, these uh, toruses take the form of whirlpool vortices. And it turns out that uh, an atom, you know, a, a cell, uh, the, the Earth field itself, the solar system, the galaxy, and the cluster of galaxies, and now they're even uh, saying the mathematicians are saying the universe itself has to be a, a, a toroidal dynamic. It turns out that, that the universe is showing us a blueprint for sustainability, because this is the only pattern that sustains itself in a continuous medium, which the universe is. So it's really helpful to realize that, oh, if every sustainable system is a torus, and our major challenge as a species is to try to create sustainable systems and sustain our, our species on, on this planet, um, then it would be very helpful to understand the torus and understand the principles that are involved. A torus is always centered. It's always balanced. It always is exchanging uh, in balance the energy going into a system and out of a system. And on and on. There are a number of principles that, that we have identified for the Taurus. And if you take that and then apply it in areas like economics, said, or in the media, or a really good one is in terms of our accessing energy. You know, we've been creating explosions and burning things and smashing things together to get our energy for throughout recorded history. And now we're on the brink of destroying all of life through, uh, through doing that at the atomic level. So it's no coincidence that people are discovering at this point in history that if you actually create a technology which mimics this toroidal pattern, and then you get it rotating, you get the, the energy of that system rotating, and then tune it to ambient energy, guess what? It acts like an antenna and just draws uh, out free, clean, um, uh, and safe energy out of the universe. So the, the Taurus has huge implications. And I would say the last thing about it, um, just in a short description, is to realize that each of us is a Taurus at every level, from the atomic to cellular level, but also the electromagnetic field around our body is a, is a toroidal field. And also even our skin, you know, it's a continuous surface with the throat hole um, in the middle. So it's, it's time that we understood the Taurus, given, given that it's who we are and it's what we need to know. Yeah. Very well said. <laughs> you know, we in the movie, what we do is we really uh, just track some of the ancient cultures and the way that the uh, symbols of the Taurus, understanding both the structure and the flow of that, have been encoded in different uh, cultures for a long, long time. And we and how could that be? Which leads into the whole thing about uh, extraterrestrial influence in our evolution. And so, the first part of the movie that's that's really really what it what it has to do with uh, let me yeah, say yeah. also how that how how that choice uh, of where to start came about because we had over a hundred versions of the script starting in all different places before we finally decided and as i was uh working on the third chapter of the of the script the global domination agenda i was just kind of at a loss one day and i went sought out kimberly and said i got a problem I said, I don't know how to tell people that their hair is on fire without freaking them out. And her, 
her response really ended up shaping the, the, the narrative of the film, which was she, and I think this is a great example of the feminine wisdom. She just said, oh, well, what I would do is I would say to someone, look at this beautiful bowl of water. And by the way, your hair is on fire. <laughs> so that's what we did. We wanted to, to, the bowl of water is the understanding that if we can harmonize with this toroidal energy dynamic, we can solve every problem that we know about so far and be prepared to you know, evolve to the next level. That's certainly some feminine wisdom for you there. <laughs> uh, and I think that, that, you know, you hear sometimes uh, the, the concept of, okay, if you're going to correct someone, first pay them a compliment. And in yeah, a sense, right. you're, you're doing just that. And, um, you know, it, to speak a little bit more what Kimberly touched on, the uh, you know as you so as you started to dive into exploring this uh the Taurus and the the potential for free energy then you started uh, uncovering uh people that had worked on free energy systems and the repression uh that apparently has went on for you know a century or or, or more right yes when i just described talking about the Taurus how uh, when you do these technologies correctly, you can access all this clean, free, safe energy. Obviously, anyone hearing that would go, wow, you know, that's, that could solve a lot of issues in my life and across the planet. So, so how come we don't have that? And so, yes, I, I discovered as I finally began understanding the geometry of the universe and began meeting some of these inventors, I began realizing that uh, that most, if not all of them, had been threatened. They had been uh, you know, intimidated. Uh, and some of them had actually disappeared. Some of them had been killed uh, in the, wow. their process of trying to get the, this knowledge to the world. So in the film, we go into the notion of, well, well, who would want that? Who would not want humanity to have access to decentralized clean energy? And the, the, that's what ends up leading to the next couple of chapters, um, because in order to find that out, you know, who would be suppressing these inventors? One way to find out the key to a, a big mystery like that, as I was taught by my, my dear journalist wife, Kimberly, is to follow the money. And that, right. that's the next chapter. So as, as we followed the money uh, upstream to the top of the, the pyramid and into the banks and into the secret societies and so forth, uh, it turns out that those who not only have a motive of greed, but their primary motive is actually to control the world, to control everybody's uh, life, of course, they wouldn't want people to be financially prosperous and healthy and have, uh, you know, plenty of energy. Um, and so as we followed the money, we realized that, that there's a handful of people uh, who actually uh, don't want us to thrive. And it's a, it's a harsh realization because, you know, you and I and the people in your network, we don't wake up every morning thinking, how can we destroy lives? How can we control lives and dominate the world? You know, it sounds like some uh, kind of trite uh, villain from a James Bond novel, except unfortunately, uh, it's true. And once you realize that, then uh, it starts to make a whole lot more sense why we're not just eating organic food and why we don't have, you know, a healthy, honest uh, currency. And why the justice system and the political systems are, and the educational systems and the health systems are so messed up. This is not just human incompetence. This is not, you know, an accident of fate. Unfortunately, through the internet and through many researchers like ourselves, um, 
who have been doing this and are using the internet to get the, the news out, people are waking up. The fact that a very small percentage of the population really are sociopathic. You know, they don't care about other people and they're, they're devoted to, uh, to domination. So once this is another good example of what we were talking about at first, it's, it's an unpleasant realization, but once you know it, then it can inform uh, your solution. And so that's what leads us into the, the, the third and fourth chapters of the film. Right, right. And I want to dig in a little bit on that. But before we, we do dig in on that is one one of the things as far as the, you know, the repressed free energy and so forth that you talk about in the film and and Kimberly mentioned very briefly is it, it kind of left you wondering and, and ultimately led you to, well, how did the ancient cultures who have, you know, this symbolism like the flower of life and things like that, that represent uh, these these sort of are sort of like two dimensional representations of these energy systems and the Taurus and so forth. How did they know about this stuff? How did how did, you know, this advanced kind of concepts and it, it led you to kind of investigate the extraterrestrial ph- phenomenon a little bit more because you have, of course, we all are familiar with the the uh, popularity of shows like Ancient Aliens and things like that. And um, so. Um, maybe you could uh, touch a little bit on what, as you dug in to ex- explore that phenomenon, what you uncovered. Yeah, that one really took me by surprise because I, I actually had an experience of seeing, being quite close to a, a UFO my last year in college. But I oh, wow. frank, frankly didn't give it a whole lot more thought. Certainly wasn't any kind of UFO investigator. But my my passion for physics and geometry led to the the energy uh, realizations. And then, as you say, that led me to, to the ancient cultures and a realization that, oh my goodness, you know, we're seeing it in the crop circles, we're seeing it in the pyramids, we're seeing it in all these ancient etchings and so forth, the same fundamental realizations of the Taurus and then of the Vector Equilibrium, which is this, this, uh, fundamental geometry. It's the, it's the geometry that's the mother of all, uh, the material world, all of the, symmetry patterns that we see, the beautiful three, four, and five-fold symmetries that we see in flowers and crystals and, you know, the, the spirals on our uh, on our fingertips and in our hair and, and so forth. All of that comes out of these, the combination of these this structural pattern of the vector equilibrium and the flow pattern of the torus. And these this particular knowledge is encoded in just countless ancient cultures going back literally millennia. So right. it kind of blew wide open my notion of just kind of, kind of a simple evolution story on planet Earth. Uh, you, you know, either there were cultures that evolved on planet Earth uh, that were, you know, way more advanced than us, and then all uh, trace of them was obliterated, or uh, ancient cultures during recorded history were visited from elsewhere by beings who, were, who had been evolving for longer than we had. And had mathematical and physics knowledge that would enable them to access energy anywhere in the in the universe, and therefore have the propellant uh, as well as the ability to to alter time and space so that they they could actually get here from either other uh, solar systems, other galaxies, or other vibrational planes of, of, of existence. But in any case, the evidence is overwhelming that we not only are being visited by multiple species, but have been for centuries. And once you wrap around that, then it makes a whole lot of sense that, that they would pass on a certain amount of that, that knowledge, particularly when the, somebody goes to the trouble of building something like the Great Pyramid, 
it's no wonder that, that a tremendous amount of this knowledge was literally built into the structure. Yeah. And when you, you know, some of the statistics that you talk about, and this is, of course, a subject matter that I've never really talked about too much on the show, but I find very fascinating. And so I, I thought it was really interesting how your own investigation kind of naturally led you to this realm. And, and of course, you have a very succinct way of bringing uh, the information to the surface. And, you know, you, you stated some things like, you know, over 4,000 cases of UFOs reported landing with physical evidence, over 3,500 pilot cases. I mean, these are trained witnesses. This isn't uh, your uh, drunk Uncle Bob sitting on the back patio, you know, 3,500 pilots that have reported seeing uh, a UFO, hundreds of cases of of them being tracked at going, you know, tens of thousands of miles per hour, um, disappearing and reappearing, including, uh, I think you mentioned the head of the FAA. Um, So these are all very credible people. So it's not only that they were here in the past that your your research is, is demonstrating, uh, with some of this knowledge that we really have no way of uh, uh, no other good explanation uh, as to how the ancients knew this stuff. But, um, you know, that it's still happening here now, yeah, even with crop circles. Once again, you know, you have over 5000 of those have appeared. And so, of course, you've had people that have tried to make them. And to have come forward is like, okay, this is, which is a great way, by the way, if you're going to try and debunk something, pay right. a couple, uh, speaking of drunk Uncle Bob, you know, pay him a uh, hundred bucks to go out at night with a bottle of whiskey and stomp around in a field and then say he's responsible for all of them. But meanwhile, there's some of these are so elaborate in the, uh, you know, electromagnetic fields and strange magnetic particles that you talk about, you know, uh, that are, are in and around these crop circles. It's, it's, it's all, when you start stacking it all together it doesn't sound uh, so crazy and the, the i think the most important point for me in this whole kind of uh, amazing unfolding drama over centuries is uh why would ancient cultures why would potential extraterrestrials why would they bother to create these patterns that would be seen in the future and we mentioned in thrive that as best we can tell the, the reason they're doing it is to help us understand how energy works and therefore how to relate harmoniously to it. Because if we don't, you know, we will blow ourselves up. And, and I'm glad to see it, it. It looks like they don't want that to happen. You know, they can't right. do it for us. They can't get, thank goodness they're not just coming in and taking over, but they seem to be trying to keep us safe by shutting down nuclear silos when they get turned on. And, you know, one of the, the, uh, the little clips in Thrive was when uh, the military was sending a, a missile to the moon where they were going to set off several nuclear weapons. And uh, the guy who was doing the high-speed photography witnessed these, uh, these UFO ships coming into the frame and laser beams coming out and literally them knocking the, the uh, nuclear weapons off the missile so they'd fall down into the sea. So they seem to be kind of taking care of us like the you know the way I'm you know a parent would of a toddler learning right. to climb a jungle gym for the first time, but they also seem to realize that we need to figure this stuff out ourselves if we're going to be a sustainable species. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That was a a fascinating uh, story that actually the guy shares firsthand in in Thrive, and uh, it's. It, it's it's just incredible. And of course, there's all kinds of other accounts of people who are at nuclear facilities and the, um, you know, everything becoming disarmed at key moments and things like that. So it's just yeah, there's just it's so exciting. much evidence when you start looking at it. And I thought it was really interesting how, you know, you actually had some several people that you referenced in uh, 
in the film who were abductees who drew the tourists or claimed to be abductees and saw these propulsion systems on these craft and that they were actually Taurus uh, propulsion systems or yeah, Taurus like. Uh, yeah. They, uh, and th- that was just two stories. We've heard that from many, many people who were either abducted or uh, most of the ones we were, we talked to were literally invited onto the ship and, and agreed to go. It was particularly those ones who were shown the, the drive of the ship uh, and they they often in our when we interviewed them it would all, they would not know each other um, but they would report not only the same energy dynamic they would report the same species uh, that they had encountered wow. this with so you know, uh, I've never been on a ship I've never seen a, an extraterrestrial in incorporated uh, form but my common sense has definitely over the years leaned toward uh, the evidence is overwhelming that this is the real phenomenon. I want to say something about that, too, because in this, I I think for listeners, it's really important in these times, like, what does discerning open-mindedness have to do with our getting out of the mess that we're in? You know, I mean, this gamble, you know, family heritage and Princeton education and a pretty, you know, straight uh, beginning (laughs) for her father. and. You know, to use the his own intelligence and ours in the course of research to take in evidence and allow your own common sense and your own experience to um, inform what it is that you're inquiring about. What is the next natural question that's emerging and not allow it to be shut down by the fact that it's been, you know, made taboo. And so I think that's a really important part of all of this because it's, I don't think it's possible to figure out what's really going on or engage the radical level of solutions that are needed uh, without opening our minds to things that we're not expecting to find out or to entertain. You know, I know when Foster got into learning about these new energy technologies and just this whole alive universe that's, you know, packed with infinite energy that can be harnessed in this way. And I know for me, just the kind of spiritual experience of, of seeing energy come out of, you know, what I learned was a vacuum in the universe. It's like, clearly it's not a vacuum. It's a plenum of infinite possibility. And, you know, they could, plug a hairdryer in and instead of it depleting, you know, it's not like now if you plug a hairdryer in, you hear the energy kind of take a dip there. It just pulls in more. It's it right. will pull in whatever's needed. And I think how all that relates is that what is the natural next question for anybody in their own process of inquiry into what's going on and what's your purpose and what are you here for? And all of that kind of stuff is to really stay open-minded um, and discerning at the same time about, about what might be true because Foster was certainly not raised to be getting into ETs and figuring out how all this stuff goes. But uh, I think it's a, a tribute to that quality that allowed us to put the picture together that we did that became Thrive. Yeah, it's a key point. Uh, Keeping an open mind is so crucial. And I always say, you know, would it be any stranger than the fact that we're here talking now? 
I mean, <laughs> reality is very strange when you look at it from all angles and we get so accustomed to, oh, this is normal. And then you have, of course, organized religion that paints a certain picture. And, you know, a, a lot of times it's like, uh, hold on, if you think of some of this stuff logically, it's like, would it be any stranger for there to be beings? You know, here we just learned in the last you know, last few days about uh, flowing water on Mars, right? It's like if one if one planet over that's happening, it's it's inevitable that there's life everywhere. So and and as you even talk about in the documentary, if 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 there's a planet much like Earth out there who that is uh, just a million years older than we are, which is nothing in the cosmic scale um, there. Think of how advanced and how far behind all the problems we face are in their society. Yeah, really strange would be that we're one planet uh, amongst uh, a billion solar systems in our galaxy, amongst a billion galaxies, and that we would somehow be the only sentient life. That would be strange. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, one of the things we, we touched on was, of course, you investigated this kind of free energy, got excited about this possibility and and then discovered after doing some investigation that, uh, you know, a lot of it has been squashed or any advancements that were being made were, were being squashed. Uh, and that led you to follow the money. And that's uh, one of the things that I think, you know, for some people, it's it's incredible that l- how few of people have actually took the time to understand the truth behind their, the monetary system. Uh, maybe you can take a moment and just kind of explain what your, what your research uh, uncovered. You really, you want to talk about that? You were the one who taught me to follow the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, I think the initial sort of, you know, breakthrough understanding was that that when you can control money, how much of it's in circulation, what's its value, what's people's different access to it, you really can control their behavior. So the power of money and the power of that comes from understanding money is is really huge. And in this day and age, you know, so many wars are actually played out economically, these economic sanctions. And, you know, when you understand what's really going on in terms of currency wars behind what shows up as uh, wars that manifest, you know, physically um, with bombs and the rest. So for us, it was um, really just taking the time, you know, to understand that the Federal Reserve is a, is a private corporation of elite bankers who um, can make up the rules and make up the money and uh, determine what's going on uh, in people's lives in this huge way. So we unpack that and and do it in as user-friendly a way as possible to really help, you know, these things that are intentionally made to be so complex that you're you're supposed to go, oh, The experts need to deal with that. I can't understand it. It's too complicated when it's like, well, wait a minute. What is money? You know, money is just something that people need to have in order to exchange goods and services with each other. So if it's too complicated for us to understand, then something's wrong. (laughs) And so 
you know, one of the ways that we were able to use our privilege of time, that's what the, you know, inheritance provided was the chance to have time to do the research to figure out how it really works and whether that's, wait, who, what is the Federal Reserve and when was it formed and how does it operate and how does it function now, you know, to to look into that and then what's the relationship around the world with money. And that's something that I will say for anybody interested that we've really followed up with since Thrive has come out. We've had new insights and new information emerge uh, for us to have an even bigger, better global understanding of the financial picture. And we, and we've, um, continued with blogs. So at thrivemovement.com, we have the movie for free, but we also have over a hundred different blogs that we've written since the movie came out with updates on just about every subject that we cover in the film. And uh, some of those have to do with money, but in any case, what, you know, what we laid out is, is an understanding that the consolidation of money into the hands of very few people at the expense of everybody else is in fact a deliberate uh, process and they're able to achieve it. I think, you know, when we made Thrive, that was a radical notion. I think now with the different uh, bailouts and understanding what's, you know, just how corrupt the whole system is, it's better known to people. But we, yeah. uh, we also, you know, one thing I can say for Thrive as sort of, oh, you know, shocking to people as it, as it was in some ways, there's never been a single fact in Thrive that's been factually disputed. So we were very careful with the research that we did. We had our facts independently corroborated by professional fact checkers. And, you know, that's how it's hard to do, of course, because the media is owned by the same people who own the banks and own every other system that we have that we're influenced by. But we spent a lot of time on that so that the, what we claim we, we stand by and it has never been able to be successfully disputed, as I say. So we unpack the money in a way that we hope and intend empowers people to have a basic enough understanding of how banking works. You know, so something as simple as the fact that, you know, banks use our deposits to make cheap loans to corporations, right? So, right. If, and they can multiply your deposit times at least 10 to do that. That's what fractional reserve banking is all about. So if you don't like coal power pollution and the threat of nuclear uh, power annihilation on the planet, then it would be a good idea not to put your hard earned dollars into Bank of America because Bank of America is then Wells Fargo and Chase and these, you know, banks that we um, mentioned in the movie and outline on the website are the ones who, who make these loans to these, you know, most corrupt corporations on the planet that are doing so much of the damage. And you can, in fact, deposit your money into local banks and credit unions. We have a, a link there under what can I do? And we outline the top 10 most effective actions. But we all, in that is banking locally. And we have a list of questions that you can ask the local bank and credit union to see that they're in fact making, using their deposits 
to make loans in your own community so that it, it betters your own community and it, you know, unfunds the problem at the same time. So a little bit of understanding goes a long ways toward empowering people in their everyday lives. You know, it probably takes a few hours of real time to change your bank. It's a little bit of a hassle. Um, but when you do that, you've actually made a big move toward aligning your actions with your values. And right. that's a huge part of the shift that's actually needed. And I, and it's one of the places that for me, understanding and knowledge come into this because once you do understand something like, Oh, how the banks use my deposits to do these destructive things. And I have, for would I spend a few hours of my time to stop funding the destruction of the environment? Right. Yeah, I would actually. And most yeah, when you put it like that. <laughs> and and so I think that, you know, that's kind of how how we we try to break it down in a way that's very, you know, methodical and sort of simple so that you can then tune in and go, yeah, this is something that I care about enough and I and now I have the tools to to see how to do it. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things and, and I encourage people, of course, to check that section out on the video because you go into sort of, you know, some some details. I don't know. Uh, one of the things uh, I'm curious what you guys think. Have you seen Zeitgeist, uh, the Zeitgeist movies where they talk quite a bit about the monetary system as well? Sure. Yeah, I, I think Peter Joseph and his team uh, did a fantastic job of laying out um, a lot of the problems with the, the corrupt banking system. Uh, when it comes to how to correct those, uh, we go a very different direction than, than right. he does, but I really admire and am grateful for what he did. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I'm very curious to, to kind of talk a little bit about as well, is one is what you think uh, or you discuss in the film, the actual agenda, the ultimate, the big picture agenda of this elite, uh, this small group of people that are running, you know, at one point, I think you even compare it to for every, there, there's one of them for every million of us. <laughs> that's a very small percentage that is running the show. And, right. and, you know, maybe a little bit of what you, you can touch just slightly on what the agenda is in your opinion. And then of course, uh, talk about what you think some of the solutions are. Yeah. Well, in terms of the agenda, you know, at, as we followed the money up every different sector, a uh, major sector of human endeavor, uh, it turned out that the, the, in this country, the Rockefellers uh, and their cohorts were really running education. And when we got to the top of the agricultural pyramid, oh, whoop, there they are again. <laughs> and Surprise! When we, get, when we got to the top of the, the money pyramid, there they were. And when you look uh, to who's really um, pulling the puppet strings on the politicians and so forth, oh, there they are again. And as what Kimberly said before is that they figured out if you can uh, if you can fool everybody to let you uh, control money itself, well, of course, you're going to be able to buy everybody out um, until they discover it. And, you know, now people are discovering it. But while they have been doing this, they've been using it not just to, to make their, themselves, you know, uh, and their family rich forever, but uh, much more importantly to them, they've been using it to try to gain control over all of the switches and dials um, for the for the whole planet. And that to me is the global domination agenda. And along the way, they they have realized and there are videotapes where 
uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, um, who was a major advisor for Clinton, and he's one of the main architects of the New World Order and continues to be a, a major influence even over Obama. He was really Obama's uh, foreign policy advisor in the, in the beginning, uh, and I'm sure still is behind the scenes. Uh, he's, he came out publicly and said on, on videotape, we've come to realize it's a lot easier to kill a million people than to control them. So part of the, wow. the agenda is to depopulate, you know, basically to have the, those who consider them, themselves to be the elite uh, and then enough of the rest of, of us to, uh, to serve them. And um, so that, whether it's wars or, or pandemics uh, or, you know, chemtrails or pesticides or toxins in the food, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, ways by which those same people seem to be acting out an agenda to make people sick, to make them uh, infertile, uh, or to actually kill them, and meanwhile to to dumb them down and keep them afraid and in debt. And uh, the purpose of all that seems to be to finally establish control over the in- entire world. And that's a lot of what they. And of course, you know, these are not stupid people. They they may be very. Uh, evil in their actions, but they're they're very shrewd. So they use things like our interest in the climate, or our interest in taking care of the the poor, uh, or the the sick, or the elderly, or whatever. Which you know, uh, hopefully, you know, virtually everyone shares. They use those to make promises uh, that the politicians end up rarely keeping. But in the meantime, they've succeeded in. Uh, creating a larger government that socializes more of the functions. And, and literally what that means is to take over the means of production and, and provision of services. And then historically that always leads, socialism always leads to communism, which is where you end up completely taking away all personal property and, and individual rights, even the freedom of, of religion or religion or spiritual practice. Um, and, so that seems to be their goal, is to create a one-world, basically communist uh, state. And we say in the film that, that uh, David Rockefeller has a quote in there where he really praises Chairman Mao's uh, social experiment uh, with communism in China as one of the most successful experiments he's ever seen. And this is a lot of what the elite want to do, is they want to privatize the profits. And you can see how you know the 0.001% has just been vacuuming up uh, the, the, the wealth of the planet to themselves at the detriment to, uh, of everyone else. But then they want to socialize the losses. And that's where the higher taxes and the, the bailouts and sending your kids to, you know, to war to get more resources and so forth. Uh, it, it's actually a pretty simple plot. It's not easy to understand it first, and it's not easy to, turn, to, to correct it, to, you know, to obsolete it. But it's actually a, a very primal and, and ancient drive amongst afraid people to protect themselves um, by controlling everyone else. That's what the global yeah. domination agenda is about. And in the film, once we realize that, then we go on to, okay, if we really understand, then that can inform uh, solutions that can be commensurate to the problem. Yeah. Kimberly, you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I just wanted to say I think it's important um, – you know, in our process, what, it, the point isn't to have it be that there are evil people, 
you know, that there are evil actions, right? And and the way that right. I'm, I have something up on my board, it says, I'm a friend of your soul and an enemy of your project. <laughs> and it's, it's the way that I hold, I hold this whole thing. You know, it's really helpful to understand. And, you know, some of the things that, that Foster just said, like it takes research to actually validate this stuff. And we did, you know, we've read the books, we've read the quotes from the people themselves. We put the picture together and it also helped us to understand the worldview. That's what this whole thing is based on. If you, if you believe that the only two options in life are to control or be controlled, it's very understandable to choose to control. And right. Right. And then when, you know, on top of that, you have these secret societies and things that operate, you know, in these ways where, but I don't know if you've seen it. I just saw this documentary on Scientology recently. Great documentary, but, you know, it shows that the what they do is they have people just, you know, lay out their greatest insecurity and shame, anything they're ever guilty of, and they video the whole thing. So that if the people ever want to leave, they've got this video to hold over them, especially if they're public figures. And it's the same way in these secret societies with the elite, that there's all this kind of just perverted manipulation and guilt and shame and stuff that goes into it. So the point, you know, we make this very clearly in the movie, the point isn't to hate them. It's to understand the worldview that operates behind this kind of agenda that is, in fact, happening. That's very, you know, it's really a matter of diving into it. And once you're once you get it and the facts that we lay out in the movie, you know, we've done our best to just sort of choose the ones that minimum sufficient. If this is true, then you realize you really need to be aware of things like the aerial sprays that are going on, when you understand that our health and well-being is not the prime objective, then you start to take more responsibility for yourself and your assessment of of what's happening, what's in the vaccines, what's in these aerial sprays, what what responsibility uh, can I take for myself and my own life. So our point is not to separate and divide. It's to be as inclusive of in our understanding as possible so that we can um, take effective action um, without getting caught up in, oh, these horrible, evil people. It's, you know, it's these extremely misguided people who have way too much power. And it appears that when people have power, to rule one another, this happens every single time in recorded history. It happens that people abuse that power. So one of the things we look at is is not it's like the power, the abuse of power, but the um, and the power to abuse. It's it's all the way around. People's um, ability to have power over others is in fact, the seed, the seed of tyranny. So people's own awakening and awareness is, is the seed of, of the true solution to all of this and, and the new paradigm that we're all after. And so 
after we unpack, you know, the severity of the problem and how it's how it functions, we then really work to do what we can to have people recognize that, like we said in the very beginning, tapping into your own purpose. What is your purpose? What did your soul incarnate here to do? And how can you tap into doing that? So and and align your actions and your values. And that's what makes the the revolution fun and sustainable and possible um, to get us to this new paradigm is if it's motivated by by people tapping into that. And, you know, I know you asked, um, and I saw that it's something common in many of your podcasts to talk about sort of um, serendipity or paranormal phenomenon, things that can't be uh described solely with conventional wisdom yeah with conventional wisdom and and one thing i want to add because i think it's really relevant to our impact here to make the kinds of changes that are needed is that i once um i i bought a house years ago from this old man who who was very psychic and he had he could do what's called psychometry which is where I had never been exposed exposed to this. <laughs> I should say when I when I got the house from him, but we kind of became friends during the transaction. And psychometry is where you can take an object from somebody mm-hmm. that you don't know, and then sort of tap into that object and know things about the person who who normally wears it or who it right. belongs to. So anyway, I had this. Like I said, I knew nothing about it. I had a friend who had her mother's bracelet. And so I gave it to Bill, old man Bill used to call him, and um, gave him this bracelet. And he could, you know, he didn't know my friend, didn't know this, her mother from out of town, never saw them. But from holding this bracelet, he could tell that this uh, woman had lost a child recently, my friend's. And... um, I've noticed, and then years later, I he was wrong. So Bill was wrong, Doss is psychic, and he we just had all these oh, wow. experiences. And so later, um, I was caring for him as he was dying, and um, so he passed, and my cat, um, I was moving from one place to another, and my cat, through a series of things, was um, staying with someone in a place she had never been and disappeared, got out and disappeared. And for weeks was disappeared. And oh, wow. so I tried every conventional way to find my cat that I possibly could. And at one point I just summoned Bill. <laughs> and I said, oh, wow. Bill, I need some of that psychic power here because I, I really want to just find my cat. So I just sort of went into a state that was no longer relying on my rational mind. And I just got in my car and I started driving until I had the impulse to pull over, which I did. It was at these railroad tracks and kind of heard go down the tracks and then kind of heard climb over this fence. And um, so I just did it all based on these impulses, not on my mind. And lo and behold, I walk down the tracks, I climb over the fence and there's my cat. Um, No way. Wow. That's so cool. So 
anyway, but I I was watching this. Um, I always watch the behind the scenes of movies that I see. I love the making of movies. I'm a filmmaker, and also I grew up around filmmaking, and I really like the stories because I I love to be reminded how how messy it is to actually create successful things. I think people tend to look and think it's just a smooth process, but, but it isn't. There's all yeah. kinds of starts and stops and self-corrections involved. Anyway, I'll just say it quickly there. I was watching the making of this movie called ghost. It's from uh-huh. 1990 fabulous uh, movie. It's about this young that one with Patrick Swayze. Yeah, exactly. Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and yeah. Goldberg. And this, um, right, right, right. So it's a young couple. The man's murdered, and his spirit is um, stays behind to warn Demi Moore, his lover, of some impending danger. And um, but as a ghost, he can't impact. Uh, material objects and so he teams up with this other ghost who can and says how how can I impact earthly reality because I want to be able to have her know I'm here to warn her anyway and the ghost explains that it can't be with his mind he needs to have emotional passion behind his intention in order to successfully impact things right and I and right. I thought back when I was listening to that, and Bill, you know, what he tapped into was an emotional, passionate experience that this woman had losing a child, right? And what I tapped into when I summoned Bill was the passion that I had to find my cat. That was an emotionally driven motive. And when Patrick Swayze's trying to, you know, cross the veil, mm-hmm. have impact on Earth from the other side. He's taught that he needs to engage passionately. And I, to me, the, the through line in all of this is that we need to engage passionately, with, emotionally, with what it is that we're here to do in order to really have the impact that we need to have. And there's no right answer on that. That, you know, luckily, each one of us is here to do our own unique thing. And... All right. that's required, and, the, and I say all, I think it's uh, simple, I don't think it's easy, but to really tune in and listen and figure out what is it, who are you, and, and why did you come, and engage that passionately. And when we do that, I really do believe that we can get to a world where everyone can thrive. So whether it's this that's such a key picture point. of looking at, you know, fundamental patterns and ETs and money and global domination agendas and all of that in the beginning and in the end is our conscious relationship to ourselves and, and the effective action and the meaningful lives that we can have from doing that. Yeah. And like your story, uh, which is such a great demonstration, you have an issue at hand, right? You have a problem. You've, you've lost something. There's a, there's some sort of a major issue and you, you went within and tuned into your heart essentially. Right. And you're, you're, you've got this pure intention and it's coming from such a good space and what happens you're guided to where you need to go. And I think that's a great story to kind of tie into all this. Because I think I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what we need more of in this world. Less, less thinking and more uh, feeling, you know, getting in touch with that, that, yeah. you know, or a heart good combination space. of both. <laughs> or a good combination. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So as far as a few of uh, the solutions, and, and it's been a few years, the, the movie was released in 2011, correct? Yep. 1111. 1111. So 2011. Perfect. So uh, as far as solutions, you touch on some solutions in the, in the movie, and I'm curious also what your thoughts are, you know, as far as uh, any models or ideas or developments that have happened uh, since then that you uh, you think deserve uh, a lot of attention right now? Austin, why don't you go for that? Sure. Um, well, the, the solutions have been unfolding on a number of different tracks. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is the salute, what we call our solutions hub network. When we saw that there were so many uh, groups forming naturally uh, around the world, we just provided them a hub on our website where they could find each other. People could find a group um, of like-minded activists or a, a group could check in on other groups to find out um, who was working on the same issue. For instance, on GMOs, almost every city we went to, we went to more than 50, um, there, there was almost always at least one GMO group, but we noticed they were all recreating the same wheel. Yeah. So we, uh, we decided to make this hub and, and then just send everybody to the hub where they could go and find lawsuits or class, uh, you know, class action lawsuits or petitions or uh, resource uh, uh, strategies and uh, the other things that virtually every project needs without having to start all over themselves. Uh, so that's become very effective at just uh, making more efficient uh, self-creating solutions groups around the world. But the next one is um, what we call Thrive Connect. Um, we've been contacted by over a thousand inventors from around the world since the movie came out who wow. uh, claim to have breakthrough technologies um, and also are concerned that they would be suppressed or in many cases they have been suppressed in trying to bring it out. So we've turned into what we've realized is kind of a cosmic dating service of hooking up the the uh, philanthropists and investors who have um, resources to share uh, with the innovators who have either technical projects or social, economic, or environmental projects uh, that uh, they're, they're doing anyway, but that they really need funding. And they usually need security. They need legal help. They need business advice and that type of thing. And so we've been putting together uh, consulting teams of good professionals in each of those areas. Uh, and then uh, trying to match up the resources with the, the innovators' needs. And uh, that is in its early stages uh, still, but we've created an entire infrastructure with template contracts and everything. And we, we've recently been pledged significant resources from, from a number of courses, um, sources to really empower these uh, inventors and innovators to be both protected and successful in getting their things out to the world. And then uh, our most recent one is what we call Thrive Together. We've had a lot of people request kind of more intimate brainstorming time with us and our team. And we created an online think tank called Thrive Together um, that people subscribe to and then meet once or twice a month online. Uh, and we take on a particular topic, you know, whether it's uh, ETs or free energy or global finance or EMF pollution. Uh, GMOs, whatever it is, um, and 
then uh, we'll either do a kind of a presentation for half an hour ourselves or bring in a, a, someone who's more expert. And then for the last hour and a half, we just open it up to questions, comments, insights, re- real brainstorming with our network. Because people, as you can imagine, you know, like yourselves, who, who've really uh, been drawn to the conversation that this movie engenders, have a lot of expertise and a, a lot of you know, brilliant um, creativity in all these different areas. And it's exciting for us to get to learn from them and then all together to tap our wisdom to come up with the solutions, with the strategies, with the tactics that can actually uh, make them real. That's so exciting. And all of that is on thrivemovement.com, correct? Yes, particularly for people who go there, uh, go to the Solutions Hub section uh, and the Thrive Together section to find out more about what I just described. Great, great. Now, you said there's about a thousand or so different inventors that have you've been in contact with. That is just such an incredible number. Is there any particular one that stands out to you as something that is, you know, ready to put to market and that could really cause a a shift quickly? Because that's one of the things that, you know, I, I always think to myself, it's, it's like, what is going to emerge as the, the way, you know, what is going to become the, the iPhone or the, you know what I mean? The, uh, the next big thing. Is there anything that you, you would, you know, you're particularly excited about. Oh boy. I wish we had three days to, to answer that one. <laughs> it, it, this is so thrilling. It just moves us to tears continually to see what's already on the planet in terms of, uh, you know, we've been in, in, in multiple labs watching free energy devices uh, working. We've been wow. uh, with people who have been consistently curing cancer uh, and uh, various uh, nervous system diseases whether it be Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, ALS. Uh, do, you, or, do you know someone that had some developments in, in that? Because I just had a very close person to me have uh, a mother who is diagnosed with ALS. And I'm, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I, you know, I recently interviewed uh, Nick Polizzi from a sacred science documentary. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And that's going the route of using ayahuasca and so forth. But it's something that I'm literally trying to research right now uh, that's just come into my, you know, m- my life in the last week or so, this news. And so I'd be very curious to hear about anything that you've seen in regards to helping with ALS. Well, it's a perfect example. personal level. Uh, I can't tell you the names or locations or too much about it because I'm under okay. non-disclosure and it would risk his security. But there uh, sure. is a, a brilliant inventor who's been doing a startup for a number of years and developed a new molecule which holds nutrients in an extraordinary way and then crosses the skin barrier, the transdermal delivery system, uh, where you take a shower in the, these molecules that, that have been soaked in these nutrients and it delivers to the cells between 10 and 100 times the, the amount of nutrients that you could get through any type of uh, organic eating. So wow. they, they've got videotapes of these people who come in with, with these various afflictions. They take this shower and within five minutes, they're up walking around, their shaking is mostly wow. stopped. It, it just moves you to tears. And at the same time, this person is under heavy harassment right now, has been uh, microwaved, uh, has been, had their life threatened. Uh, I sent a security guy down to monitor his situation and he verified that this is in fact going on. And so he's kind of in, wow. in hiding and we're trying to, to 
get him the funding to get the security that he needs to be able to complete this thing and get it out. And we've got the same thing for another guy who uh, was consistently curing cancer and has proof with a major medical center. And then he was shut down by the AMA and and, uh, there was an assassination attempt on his life. And, you know, he's and they stole all of his cultures that he'd spent 10 years developing. And uh, he's now in hiding in a foreign country again, waiting for the funding. So if any of your listeners out there want to fund this type of thing, uh, get in touch with. Wow with uh, me through info at thrivemovement.com. And hopefully these large amounts of money that have been pledged will come through very soon uh, and be able to secure uh, all these uh, inventors and so that everybody on the planet can get access to the wonders that they've come up with. Wow, that's incredibly exciting and also uh, so sad all at once to hear, you know, when there's these wonderful things that are being developed that can help people, you know, good people who are suffering and families that are suffering. And to, to think that there's someone out there that wants to, you know, suppress that for monetary gain is just, it's, it's sickening. Yeah, it is. And at the same time, what we're seeing uh, is that that old system is crumbling. They're being exposed. Yeah. They're starting to be arrested. They can't, they can hardly travel anymore. And as people are catching on to their money scheme, that is disappearing. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. And there are, there are other forces, it's a whole other story, but there are other forces even more powerful around the world who are now obsoleting them so that, um, yeah. so that major money can move around the planet without being stolen uh, and empower uh, these people to, to actually create a world where people can thrive. And there are, yeah. there are in our direct experience, there are viable holistic solutions in every single sector where we see the, these problems. Uh, that are virtually ready to go. And within just a few years, uh, with the proper funding and protection, uh, it'll be a reality. Yeah, I agree. So exciting. So exciting. So you you touched on something, you know, there's these forces that are helping to overcome uh, these positive forces that are helping to overcome and, and really making headway and uh, tearing down some of these walls. In your, in your opinion, uh, you know, do you feel like there is a spiritual revolution, so to speak, that's happening? You know, I talk about this subject quite a bit, that we're all we're all one. We're all extensions of the same consciousness. And I know in my own journey, I've seen so much more uh, acceptance and openness uh, and excitement around this topic. So I'm curious uh, what your from your perspective, if you see you feel like there is a indeed a big shift happening uh, in in the favor of good, so to speak. You really want to go for that first? <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I, I absolutely do. I, I mean, one of the things about our experience here since Thrive came out is, you know, I mentioned it's oh, 32 million documented views in 27 different languages and the Solutions Hub. So what happens is we hear from people from all over the world, you know, different cultures, um, different ages, different life experiences. And still um, what's in common is people who are awake to what's going on and they are absolutely engaged in the most innovative, uh, fabulous solutions. So 
sometimes I think we're uniquely optimistic, but only because we're able to see what's really happening uh, out there that people who are, you know, tuned into the mainstream news, which is have a horrible view of humanity and what and what's possible. And, and our view is, in right. fact, you know, just the opposite, because we're constantly connected to, you know, so many people from all over who really are engaged in, in fabulous things. And one of, you know, our kind of role and purpose is, is to provide a structure for fulfillment of what we see is already there. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, so as Foster was saying, there's people working on these problems everywhere, but they're, they haven't been sharing the best of their practices with each other in order that we're not reinventing the wheel. So, okay, the Solutions Hub can help do that. And can, you know, one of the things that we do in Thrive Together and with our blogs and our website and all the rest is try to help mirror back to people what we see. Because I think this distorted mirror that the mainstream reflects is really destructive because it lowers people's expectations of themselves and each other. And what we see is is exactly the opposite. So whether it's in these technological innovations, I mean, I think about it all the time. Here are these people at great risk to themselves because there are people who will suppress at this stage the game, these, you know, innovations and solutions. Um, but here are these people and they just devote their brilliance to the solutions for humanity. And, you yeah. know, I think this combined with open source, combined with 3D printing, combined with people waking up to what's going on uh, paves the way to to a new world that I, I'm excited about. I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful I have enough years left to be here to uh, be a part yeah, of and yeah. witness it all. So I, I feel very grateful and, and excited. And I fully echo what Kimberly's saying. I, I'm incredibly optimistic, even though I know that there are very challenging times ahead. And, and as we look at the data, you know, as Paul Hawkins says in our movie, the, the, uh, he recognizes from his research that it's the greatest spiritual movement in history. The combination of the, the environmental, economic, and justice movement without being based on dogma, but really w being based on uh, a, a sense of this of a new paradigm, a new paradigm that's recognizing that the universe is alive and that we're all interconnected. You know, it, it the Ken Wilber uh, in his work says it takes ten percent of the population approximately to actually change a paradigm, and then Paul Ray comes along with his work on cultural creatives, and his most recent update on that is that in Japan, in Europe, and in the United States. Uh, the number of people who are, are actually shaping their lives uh, around the environmental justice and, um, and uh, economics um, is around 35%. So we're really, we've crossed over that tipping point. And I think the challenge is wow. much more just getting that uh, broadcast and then finding effective means of collaboration. Because for me, the new paradigm it's not sufficient to say that the essence of the new paradigm is the universe is alive and we're all we're all one. To, to actually ground that paradigm, I think we we in expanding our consciousness, we naturally move into the stage where we recognize that we care enough to actually learn the truth. 
and then yeah. to develop the courage and the will to seriously figure out how to take right action to defend that truth uh, at all costs. And that, I think, is what what is leading the new paradigm, what's grounding it out, and will lead uh, quite soon to a world where everybody really does have the opportunity to thrive. Well, that's super exciting. The work that you guys are doing is so amazing, and I applaud you uh, for all that you're doing. What What's in the future? I mean, obviously, Thrive is thriving, uh, <laughs> as it should, uh, at thrivemovement.com with some of the stuff that you shared with us. Is it just going to be more of that, trying to tie the pieces together and trying to see how many different uh, of these causes and inventors and, and organizations that you can support? Well, that's certainly the, the thrust of it. The main thing we feel that we can do right now is continue the education process, which we're mm-hmm. doing, and we're continuing our own learning process to, to inform that. But then the main thing that we see that we can do is, uh, is open up the, help to open up the spigots worldwide to where instead of the, the criminal culprits you know, who are just festering all this corruption in, in every system, instead of them having unlimited funds, that, that uh, sufficient funds are flowing across the planet through an organic network of, of trust to the people who are doing the, be- the best humanitarian work. And so that's really what we're focusing a lot of our actions on now. And as that comes into reality, um, then we, will, we plan to expand Thrive Together into a full-on Thrive TV channel where we're really Wonderful. reporting not only on the problems but mainly on the solutions with uh, not just theoretical, but practical stories where people are reporting on their own solutions. And then when enough of that is in place to, uh, to actually show the fulfillment of kind of the promise that was represented in Thrive, then uh, we might even consider doing a Thrive too. Wow, that's exciting. That, that all is so, so exciting. I look... Look very forward to watching your progress and and helping in any way I ever you know see fit or capable of doing and uh, you know I guess uh, one question that I have for you Foster Kimberly you uh, knocked it out of the park with the story of uh, a positive paranormal story and I always uh, love to include anything like that a story of synchronicity or serendipity uh, Foster do you have anything like that that you would like to share? Well, there's certainly a lot of them. My my life is sort of pinballed from one of those to the next, uh, shaping the next chapter. But I would say the, seems to the, be what it becomes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But the, I would say the one that's particularly relevant to our conversation today is I I have been for a long time. I studied Zen and yoga and self hypnosis and brainwave biofeedback and Aikido and so forth, and it all led me to the Monroe Institute where I w- was training for a while and. Uh, and ended up having an energy experience there using techniques that I had been uh, taught, but with no uh, technology, no, uh, no um, entheogens, any assists like that. I had an experience where I went into uh, as powerful an energy state as I had ever experienced in my life, just surges of energy going up and down between my head and my toes. And it was so blissful. I thought, well, this feels really great, but you know, kind of, so what, what can I do with this? And the, yeah. the, the first question that appeared to me, um, was, uh, well, it really, there were two questions. The first one was, 
if there is such a thing as guardian angels or guides, which I'd heard a lot about, but I didn't know whether there was any substance to it. If, if there's any reality to that, you know, I'd appreciate giving me a sign. And instantaneously, yeah. there was a glowing uh, kind of egg of light on, on either side of the bed that I was lying on. And the warmth that they were pouring into me was so transcendent that wow. just tears just started streaming down my cheeks. And I said, okay, thank you. I will never have to ask again. <laughs> and then so oh. I was still in this state. And I thought, okay, well, uh, what else do I want to ask? So I, I asked, what is my purpose in life? And again, instantaneously, I found myself kind of in my mind's eye, sitting in the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid in meditation. And all of a sudden, that, wow. this energy that was so powerful went up my spine, burst out through my crown chakra, at which point the walls of the pyramid kind of opened up, and I was just rocketed out into space. And I, I looked back and eventually found myself just kind of floating out in space. And I looked back and I saw you know, the blue marble of earth. I thought, wow, you know, that is really cool. But what, you know, what about my question? Um, and then I heard this kind of rushing sound behind me and I looked back and there was this column of light. It came down and through my body, just completely infused my body, went, continued through me down to the planet and then joined in with uh, like a, these filaments, this network of, of the grid of energy that surrounded the planet. And I got in that moment uh, not in words, but in the experience of it, that my role was to continue to open to the light uh, and to then share that with the world for anybody uh, who was interested. And that very much shaped the path to making the film thrive. Wow, that is an incredible story. So beautiful. I got chills hearing it. So I want to add one more piece to this because I know I'm going to need please. to go in just a minute. I want to be sure and say that, that um, for me, the lifeblood of the transformation that is necessary is independent media. And what you're doing uh, and your partner with this show is so right on to me in terms of what's needed. And I know it takes a lot of work and it takes uh, a lot of courage. Um, and I just want to acknowledge you for doing it and for then trusting us enough to include us in the conversation with your network. Well, thank you for that, Foster. That that means a lot coming from you guys. I, I respect you so greatly, what you've done. And so uh, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Thanks for what you're doing. Well, guys, this has been absolutely incredible to to speak with both of you. Uh, I look forward to following your continued success. And maybe we can circle back around and do another one of these down the road, you know, when it seems the time is right. And I, I would absolutely appreciate and enjoy that. Last question I'd like to leave for you each in 60 seconds or less. What is the meaning of life according to Foster Gamble? And what is the meaning of life according to Kimberly Gamble? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> you give her time to think about it. <laughs> 60 seconds or less. All right. You can go beyond and we probably won't uh, penalize you. We have both have to go. Well, I'll, I'll give a, a, uh, a, a short little uh, hologram and expand on it for, for a, a moment. And the, I, I, for me, the, the meaning of life is to continually be discovering and fulfilling uh, the purpose for the spark of consciousness that is who, who each of us is. And, you know, that's the kind of general answer. But 
that I think certainly as I look back on my path and I, and anyone else who has been around long enough to, to explore a, a lot of this, that path is ultimately going to include mastering. And by that, I mean, just really coming into alignment with your body, with your emotions, with your mind. Uh, and as you do that, as you free yourself up from the blocks, then your spirit, which is who you naturally are, can come through. And as you're doing all that, then the next step is to move outside of yourself and uh, master communication with other human beings so that you can resolve conflict and collaborate harmoniously. And then goes beyond that to relate to the environment, to to other species, and finally to to really relate to the entire cosmos and any beings out there and to realize that, in fact, where we started from is we are the entire cosmos speaking through the unique Taurus that is each one of us. Wow, well said, Foster. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have, a, I guess, a, my personal response to that is that in, in my worldview, um, I am an eternal soul having a temporary experience here as a human being on planet Earth. And my purpose is to evolve my consciousness as a soul, to just use my experience here to evolve um, in any moment. And, and that I've you know, in my view, that's what we're all doing. And it's the reason that I feel, I feel the truth of our interconnection and our oneness. And it's also how I experience uh, dealing with the inevitable self-correction that, that we each need to do rather than, you know, fall prey to shame or, or guilt. I, I begin that I'm here to evolve. And so I'm fully present in this moment and I am enough and I am, that's what I'm doing all, all the time. And, and to me, it makes it just so much easier and more fun and more fulfilling to um, be fully awake in any, any moment because it's just a gift of a, of a transient experience here uh, to continue evolving consciousness that will continue eternally in whatever form I'm in. So beautifully said by both of you. Thank you once again so much for being on the show. And uh, I look forward, as I mentioned, to follow your continued success. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that you will both continue to thrive. Your intentions are so pure and, and so good. And so keep up the great work and uh, we'll, we'll circle back around with you maybe in a year or so and do another one of these. Oh, thank we look you so forward much. To yeah, it. We do look forward to that. Thank you very much, Brandon. Bye for now. Well, everyone, that concludes our episode. As for all of you out there listening, remember to subscribe to the Positive Head podcast on iTunes and give us a good review while you're at it. Also, check out PositiveHead.com where we have brand new wares and other really you know cool stuff for you to check out. Otherwise, until next time, remember... As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Be well, everyone.